curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. So I was looking at my notes from the last time my current guest joined me, and I was reminded that Mr. Matthew Lamb was at one time the title holder of the episode with the most listens, episode eight. And while unfortunately he's since been replaced at the top of that mountain, his listens per episode is still the gold standard. So if you're interested in knowing more about Matt and his background at Facilis, take a listen to episodes 8 and 13. So Matt, I'm not sure how you're feeling about being knocked from your perch. Uh, maybe we need to get the word out to the Facilis team that the big man needs a little more sport. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's always better to be in a position where you're hungry to get to the top there you go as long as we got that hunger that's the important part so i'm well listen regardless of the number of listens you know you know i'm kidding you i'm, I'm glad you're back and i've gotten nothing but really strong positive feedback from each of those last two episodes so and I, I would tell you honestly i know that there are people out there who are getting direct value from your thoughts and they've told me as much and asked me to make sure that we continue to have you on so um thanks for doing it and uh I just want to kind of reframe things because last time around, we, we talked a lot about sales planning in episode 13. And now that we're into Q2, uh, you know, I would suspect that those out there in listener land really should be well into executing what was maybe being planned earlier in the year. So, so Matt, knowing that, I mean, you're, you're out in the field all the time. So you get to see such a big cross-section of different sales teams and philosophies and things. And and as we talk about execution, you know, kind of how, what are you seeing that might be standing in the way of what's needed from an effectiveness of execution perspective? I mean, there's a lot of really well-intended, well-written sales plans out there, but, you know, a lot of those ones fail. So, so where, do you, where are you seeing some blind spots maybe that people might want to be given some thought to? Well, I, I think, you know, it's, you start the conversation with 
strategies to grow your sales and, and things like that. And I'd like to venture into a, a, a totally different angle where we start talking about, um, you know, how, how you hold yourself accountable or what your accountability structure looks like, uh, what your routines look like and get into the, the day to day. I'm seeing more and more people struggling with distraction and having an inability to focus. And there's lots of, lots of reasons behind that. I mean, there's no doubt the world is getting more distracted in general. Um, but it, I don't think it's a work ethic issue. Most of the time it's a time management and a discipline issue. It's an intentionality issue. And I think it's really important that if this isn't in a good place, nothing else matters. Your plan really doesn't matter if, if this isn't in a good place. So that, that will only lead to once in a while wins or band-aid wins and nobody should go through their life career or any given year with a band-aid approach. So hopefully in this podcast, we can tackle a, some things that, that contribute to a built to last approach, uh, where you have a solid foundation to build from. And, and that's where goals, accountability, and routines are really top of mind for me, especially in the last week, as it turns out, when you reached out to me, I'd had two different conversations with people that were really struggling, weren't where they wanted to be. And I think as we dug in, as I dug in with each of them individually, it was exactly what I just mentioned, just an inability to focus and uh, too much going on and a lack of accountability and no, no real routine. Yeah. So, so what, what does you do is a great time to, you know, step back and analyze why you're not hitting some of your goals that you set out to and a good time to set goals if you never did for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I, I'm dying, right? So you, you talked about intentionality and that's such a great word. Uh, I think, um, it's one that many of us would be well served to give more consideration to when, uh, you know, ar arriving at the destination of what activities are intentional and which are more uh, just given to lack of focus and preparation, like you said. And, you know, I, I don't know maybe if, if you heard this per se, but I, I can promise you um, that one of the big telltale signs for me in whether or not we have someone who has a focus issue is the speed in which they respond to emails. And a lot of time I find that if if I'm constantly getting, you know, almost immediate answers from you on email in sales, that tells me, especially if it's pretty much regardless of the time of day, it says that you're not closing that down and spending time doing other things that maybe might be a little bit more sales focused. And oftentimes to me, that's just such a simple bellwether of somebody who may not necessarily have that part of the focus figured out. Did you see anything else that sort of falls into that same category, Matt? Yeah, well, no, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that's 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 a key. It's one of the first questions I'll, I'll ask somebody uh, when when there's an issue and they don't they can't really pinpoint what it is. And again, it's time management that I mentioned. Email is the easiest place to start, and I, I agree, it's a really strong barometer, and uh, you know only you can control that. And making it, I mean, a little thing that I do is making it difficult to not be that slave where you're not even thinking about it. You're, you're checking. So it, it, I make it difficult to check my email. It's not, I can't click one button on my computer and check my email. Right. That's a small thing, but it's just, you know, being really intentional about that, understanding the implications of checking your email. And, and if you're getting alerts on your screen, I'm a, I'm a big believer. Boy, you really need to rethink that too, because you're setting yourself up for failure. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it does seem somewhat cliche to, to, you know, oh, email is such a giant time waster. And, you know, but on the other hand, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like social media. It's like, I know that I have a problem, but yet I haven't been able to figure out how to divest myself of the problem. And, you know, oftentimes it's, it's starting with an acknowledgement of, okay, I have a problem. And, uh, the other one that I, I see often that I find really interesting too, Matt, you, you tell me if you see it too, when you see a lack of focus is, you know, I'll ask someone when their scheduled sales activities are planned for the week. And typically there's not a consistent answer to that question. And if you've not in much the same way as sort of, they say like pay yourself first when you get your paycheck, right? Like if you haven't made a commitment to making those activities that make you an income a priority in your schedule, then the likelihood of you being successful at actually accomplishing those tasks is just, I mean, just a fraction, right? I mean, do, do you see stuff like that out there as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and what you mentioned with, with email, it's not that it's bad, it's uh, our time waster, it's, it's how you control your time. That's what all this runs together. Um, you know, how, how, how you spend, most people do their best work right, right early on and when you're fresh and when you, what do you do and, and are you even aware of when, when you do your best work, when you're most clear-headed and do you center your activities around that and, and control those days? Those are times where it's critical not to be, not to have the email up and to do your, your deep work for the day. Um, and it's funny, you mentioned that with how, how people respond to that question about walk me through your day. That's, that's an exercise I did with uh, five of the top growth reps in Facilis. This was a few years ago now, but I get, I, I interviewed all of them for about an hour, asking them all kinds of questions of what made them successful, what led them to the, their tremendous growth from the previous year. And there was lots of different uh, answers all over the place on these various subjects. But the one common denominator on all five reps that I interviewed was when I asked them to walk me through their day, every one of them without hesitation, just right hit the ground running. You could tell they explained very um, with full conviction on what their day looked like because they had been living and breathing it for the past year. There was no fumbling around or, well, sometimes I do this. And, and I thought that was really telling. So what would you think is the, what's the difference? Why on one side of the equation do you see that that certainty and that dedication and then for such a wider array of the general sales population, something different? What would you attribute that to? Uh, I, I know it sounds simple, but just, you know, the intentionality, that, that word, what, when you wake up in the morning and on your way to the office, why do you make the decisions you make? And, and if you don't have a routine, are, how aware are you? And what does your routine look like? Why do you do the things you do? Why do you spend time with the people you spend time with? And, you know, I mean, it's that incremental growth uh, path that the people that are, are out there crushing it, they didn't just wake up one day and decide to start crushing it. <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's, I think, uh, I don't know how I would try and answer that question. Well, I mean, yeah, making up your mind that that's what you want to do first and foremost probably is the be the best way to get started, right? I mean, if, yeah. if you don't, if you haven't truly made up your mind that that's going to be the case, you know, it, it shows up in all kinds of ways. And not to say that people who have made that choice are completely exempt from 
falling prey to the same problems that people who have not done that will fall prey to. That's, that's disingenuous to say that's the case. However, it's much easier to return to where you know you need to be if you are intentional about what it is you're trying to accomplish. And you know, the difference to me in those instances where I have specificity of purpose when I'm not necessarily being as effective as what I know I need to be, it's somewhat uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a, a big part of the problem sometimes too is just there may be good intentions, but you can, if you have a de- developed a list of, you know, 15 goals for the day, week or, or month or, or year for that matter, there's just too much going on. You're too scattered. And one, it's not just a one step process where you identify those 15. That's just the, the starting point. Just the clear second step, the simple second step of prioritizing those and maybe that help that exercise arrives, um, helps you arrive to the fact that, boy, if I accomplish these first two things, the rest of it, that's 90% of where I want to want to get to. So two goals instead of 15, again, sound, sounds easy, but mm-hmm. fighting off too much and is, and those little things that set yourself up, yourself up for failure can be the difference. Man, oh man. All right. So accountability moment. So here we are being all braggadocious about goal setting. So I suppose uh, it would only be appropriate if you and I both spent a little bit of time here on how we each try to practice what we preach. So I'll, I'll let you start. How does, how does, where does Matt's goal list live? How do you interact with it? What space does it occupy in, in what you do every day? Yeah, uh, I'd love to. And I want to preface this really quickly with what people hear, what, how you and I do it are likely, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I, I, I'm likely to be viewed by some as extreme, and, but what works for me may not work for others. And, and it, this, was, this has been now uh, nine years in the main, making of, of a process that works for me. But I, I break my goals into four categories, uh, physical, intellectual, emotional, and, and spiritual. And where I want to be with each of those, and and once I dive down, and it's a it's a deep dive process each each year. But once I pinpoint exactly what that looks like, I have a running spreadsheet that I keep, and each month uh, I will I I will uh, focus on that month and just update on a daily basis any progress I've made on each of those. And that system works well for me because it it gives me a long enough leash to not have to hit every on every cylinder every day but i i've been doing it long enough to know that if i go 10 days without doing something it just like you said it feels really uncomfortable and i i kick it into gear on on each of those and so it's a that's a a little accountability factor for me on just kind of seeing how i how my year is unfolding uh, day after day, week week after week, and month after month, and that that has served me well as a path or vehicle to end the year having accomplished my annual goal for what those four categories. So physical, it, it could it's exactly what you would think it is. It's it's miles run, bike, uh, how many uh, miles I'll I'll bike, uh, crunches, uh, you know those types of things. Intellectual is number of books read and things of that nature. Uh, emotional is as meditation and, and things of that nature and spiritual would be, you know, uh, rosaries and, and, and things, things like that. Yeah. Well, and 
Um, I, I, I started to say that uncomfortable feeling was weight, but I double, I, I thought better of myself because it's not weight. It's, it's knowledge. It's understanding if you've given yourself something that is a target and you knowingly are ignoring it, then it should have some effect on you because if you've not made a commitment, then none, it wasn't really a goal in the first place. Right. So <laughs> if, if it's like, Oh, that's no big deal. Well, in, you're either making excuses or that wasn't really a goal and probably shouldn't have been on the list in the first place. But I, while I don't do exactly what you described, because yeah, that is super detailed. Wow. Good for you. But on the other hand, I was thinking about it and what a great way for you to look back on how you've evolved in each of those areas over time, based on the fact that you have it all kind of as a running thread. And yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's really cool to, to be able to look back and see how many you know miles I ran in 2011 or uh, one, one thing that, uh, that will typically put people over the edge. I'm thinking I'm crazy is, uh, I, I've tracked uh, every alcoholic drink since then, so that oh. <laughs> that an idea of something that's in there as well. But again, it's a good it's a good uh, accountability factor. Oh, I oh boy! If my insurance provider ever got a hold of that for me, I ooh. <laughs> 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 All right, so I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's very specific from a tracking perspective. But I guess here's the thing, right? So. Um, it's kind of a side topic, but it's related in a lot of ways. So, you know, you're, you're such a data-driven person. So it is clear to me that someone as data-driven as you would be interested in both recording the data for the sake of, of gathering it. But more importantly, I know that you are also really, really into analysis. So how are you doing? What are you doing with what you're recording? And what does that do for you? that maybe somebody might not be thinking about from a why tracking would be important? Well, it gives you perspective. I'll tell you with the alcoholic drinks, the first two years, I, I was, I didn't have a goal at that point. I was just, it was new and I was floored at, um, the number that I, that I ended up at and that just that self-awareness, that's a big part of it. The whole process is just being self-aware of, of uh, how you're doing in various aspects. And again, that turns into intentionality and all that stuff. So I, I think, um, you know, I, I certainly haven't hit every goal I've ever set. And some of that's biting off more than I can chew. Uh, meditation is one that I struggled with for years. I never hit that goal and I was hitting the other ones. It was a new goal. And, and I think uh, it just wasn't a priority for me. And you know, I finally had to commit to it and get serious about it, make it a priority in order to hit hit my goal. And I'm I'm really glad I have. That's turned into, you know, it really made me question. Well, why is this a goal, and why 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 am I not hitting it? Do I do I believe in this or not? And and it the, that sheer fact of kind of it's it, anyone can sit there on on New Year's Eve and map out what the, where they want to be, but if you're not questioning that. And, every step of the way and, and tracking it, you're, you know, the, the progress and where, why you did that in the first place and where you're going with that, uh, isn't, isn't really going to go beyond that one day. So that the analysis is, is easy because it's just the ongoing self-awareness factor that any, anyone has. Can't set your mind to something if you haven't thought that that's what you want to do yet. Right. So right. Uh, what's been interesting for me over the years is my ability to stop getting ready to get ready to 
and to actually start doing things. And well, again, I'm still not perfect at it, but the, the, what I found to be the catalyst for that change, at least in the positive direction as I'm, I'm heading in that way is, is being able to put it down on paper, tell other people that it's what I want to accomplish and find other people who have the same ideas so that yeah. by creating a peer community of like-minded individuals around those things you're trying to accomplish, it gives you a much better opportunity to feel responsible for the outcome. Right. Exactly. Those are two great, uh, great, uh, great ways to you know, publicly stating it. And the, the accountability factor is, is huge. How do you hold yourself accountable? Do you have some some groups or key people that you go to? Well, it's funny. I was thinking as you were uh, describing those four categories. So um, in, I would say maybe those categories sound slightly different or maybe I use slightly different adjectives, but the notion of there being four slices to the pie and them each falling somewhat in similar uh, groups, if you will. I, I have different accountability partners for each in a lot of ways. And what I've done is tried to find if you, if I don't perceive you as being credible in a space that I need to be held accountable, I won't be able to have you be my partner there. So I, for instance, in the gym, I have a trainer, right? For mindfulness, I have someone who's achieved a higher level of consciousness and enlightenment than I, who's helping me along on my journey. Uh, you know, financially we have enlisted a group of people that are our team, my wife and I, to help us try to achieve our objectives. Right. So by doing that, I feel like I'm being specific and intentional about those objectives. And because I'm in some instances, in most instances, instances actually even paying people, to do that work to help with the accountability, then I surely am just cheap enough to make sure that I'm going to work super hard to justify the money I've spent. Right. (laughs) So, um, so there's that not everyone is capable of being able to do that. So I'm fortunate to a certain extent, but there's other people out there who would tell you that if you aren't investing in that portion of yourself, even with dollars, actual hard dollars, then you are only limiting your own growth. So be it, mindfulness, meditation, sales training, getting a coach, going to the gym, those things are all available to you. Stop drinking, whatever it is. But the first most important thing is you have to decide that that's what your goal might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's interesting, your accountability partners in, in specific areas. How, how did you how did you find the financial, for example, or the, the mindfulness person? Um being willing to ask and saying that it's something that you want and, and being comfortable and vulnerable enough in your friends and family to say, these are the things that I'm seeking and being willing to accept people's kindness and grace and sharing their stories and their information in places that they think you might be guided. And to me, a big part of the journey to this point has been the willingness to do that and to, to, to not be afraid to speak up and, and say that that's what we're looking for and that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, I, I think as you get in, if you do this process, um, thoroughly, you'll end up getting into things like that. Um, you'll start being more aware of where maybe more comfortable in your, who you are and your own skin and more likely to be vulnerable, which is where growth happens. And, 
it's yeah, it's it's really interesting how those things tend to unfold naturally as you start going down this tunnel. Well, and so I'm I'm going to suggest, and I've seen it, and I know you've seen it, and I'm hoping that other people have seen it in me. When you are a member of a team, if you if you're participating in something that's larger than yourself, be it personally and or professionally, which if you're not in either of those arenas, I highly suggest it's helpful and can help give you meaning in your life if you're seeking purpose in each of those places. But the breakthroughs that you can watch, especially professionally, especially as a member of a sales organization, as people start to get themselves together around these topics, it is so fun to watch when like that moment happens where whatever pinnacle the, the member of the team has espoused as the top of the mountaintop when they achieve it, you know, it's not just their victory. It's literally like the community's victory because everyone knows that that's what that person was trying to accomplish. So, I mean, do you see that out there? Like, I'm sure you have just lots of exposure and experience watching that happen. Yeah, it really is amazing. As you are think, as you were talking about it, I was thinking one of the, the, the quickest growing, most successful group sales groups in our in, in Facilis has the best sales culture, I think, bar none. And, and it's exactly what you just said. They all kind of feed off of each other. And it's amazing the compounding effect when you have something like that in a sales team. And we, we had a, in our early days when we were only a handful of, of partners and we published the top 15 selling individuals, there ended up being some of that happening naturally where a couple of the highest producers ended up connecting and then kind of competing, friendly competition and holding each other accountable just to keep spurring the other one along. And, and like you said, it's, that can be a really good thing for, for everybody. So I, I couldn't agree more that if you don't have that in your, in your career and, and centered around the things that you're looking to drive, just like you've outlined in, in your life, highly recommend doing that. I mean, it came up recently at an owner's workshop with, with these distributor owners. One of the key things that that came out was, a couple of the companies in the room were uh, equity owned and they had to answer to a board. But one of the key takeaways was, Hey, if you're, you don't have to be equity equity owned to have a board. You you're not alone and you should be, you know, finding your own core group of four or five individuals that you know and trust and form your own board as a business owner and, or as a sales rep, find your own peer group that will help, that just bring that accountability factor um, that you bring it and, and don't uh, fall off the rails too, too far. That's, that's so awesome guy. You know, what, what a nugget there, right? You don't have to not have a board, have a board. How about that? Have a board. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> How about have a group of people with a bunch of different skill sets and backgrounds that are not the same as yours that will tell you what you need to do to help your business get where it needs to go from each of those disciplines so that you can either figure out how to hire it out or learn that skill in order to help your business grow. And what better way to be able to measure whether or not you're getting there or not, but to have to continuously and repeatedly go back in front of those same people and explain where you're at. That that My time in startups really, really sharpened that for me because there's nothing like a venture capitalist who's given you a fair amount of money and wants to know exactly down to every iota what's happened since the last time they spoke to you to really sharpen your focus and give you some clarity around that right. stuff. But, you know, the funny thing, Matt, is like that this is not a new thing, right? So date, dating myself back to the era of office equipment sales, um, we were fortunate enough that the organization that 
I worked for was very self-centric and there was lots of incentive trips and, you know, bonuses and spiffs and things to be had for being successful salespeople. But nothing was more effective for me than when I'd gotten to a point where I was connected with the other 100% quota or above salespeople around the country. And when we would see each other at events, it was sort of an unspoken rule that if you weren't there for the next one, you sort of didn't live up to your end of the bargain. And that was really, you know, that was pre-email days. So most of the time, the only way we knew for sure was we would get a sales report faxed to us at the end of every quarter to tell us where we were at. And if you were on page two, chances are you were not going to make any of those trips. And you just, it was literally everything in your power to stay off of page two. And Mm -hmm. it was that mutual accountability. And it wasn't from like, we weren't even all in the same office. We were all spread around the country, but it was the idea of like, there's a good time to be had with people that I, whose company I enjoy. And if I'm going to miss it, it's not going to be because I didn't try super hard. Right. Right. So yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the people you surround yourself with, uh, take that, that's, that needs to be scrutinized and very aware of that as well. What kind of energy do they bring to you? Do, you, do, you leave, do they make you better, a better person or do you, are you, do you find yourself getting into a negative cycle when you're around them? I mean, that, that's just as important as anything. And we're talking about accountability partners, but it ex- the people you surround yourself with, and even if it's a, a less formal than what we're talking about, less deliberate, it, it's it's very important to be in, in tune with that. Well, and I, I know for certainty that there's some folks who will be listening to this and their thoughts are going to be, uh, you know what, we just don't have that. I don't see that happening. You know, now you guys made me feel bad because I'm not working in a place that has the right kind of culture. And like, so be part of it. Like, it doesn't have to be somebody else that makes the change in the culture. You can start yourself, right? And it's sometimes it's something as simple as just approaching the leadership and saying, you know, I want to do something. Will you let me or, you know, going and just doing something without even being prompted to do it or even asking sometimes can be the difference between, you know, making that part of what you're missing present in your culture or not. So there's very infrequently that I've seen anybody from a sales leadership perspective, like discourage someone from the sales team from trying to impart a, a better sales culture on the organization. Right. Yeah. Great point. Great now, point. Now, granted, you know, sometimes that's not always the easiest thing in the world to do, but you know, what we're really speaking to is if, if you're saying to yourself, I want to set goals and I want to be intentional and I need some accountability. What better way to have all of those things be able to be executed than to have people sitting in and around you that are doing the same thing and wanting each other to be successful? Right. And, and I think the general point of don't sit back and expect somebody to, to a mentor or an accountability partner to fall in your lap, whether it's change the culture like you're talking about or go and make it happen and find you know, an accountability partner yourself, be proactive and go out there and, and, and make it happen take someone out to lunch. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to invest in yourself is one of the themes here. Absolutely. So, tw- tw- so four, four stages e- equal participation would suggest that there would be a way to go out and actually set a calendar that said, I'm going to dedicate time to each of those activities. So, 
I'd love to see somebody's example come back to us of the change that they make where they become more intentional and fill out their calendars so that we can feel like we accomplished something today. What do you say, Matt? Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Challenge, <laughs> uh, challenge has been thrown down. You got it. So any final thoughts as we uh, bid farewell? And again, I want to say thanks. You're always so uh, so great in your contributions and timely. And I'm hoping that uh, we'll once again hear nothing but positive feedback from this one. But, you know, any final thoughts from Matt? Uh, just a couple things that are kind of off of that, that, that aren't on the quote unquote goal spreadsheet that I, I think are important. You touched on it early on. What, 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 what is, what's a powerful salesperson doing early in the day, getting back to the routines, I'd say, you know, the decisions you make early on and, and what your, your routine is an indicator of how intentional you are. And, um, you know, I think kind of looking in the mirror at some of the little things that happen to start your day and dissecting it to, are you hitting the snooze button button in the morning? I'm a huge, uh, you know, I, I, I never hit the snooze button. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> you make, do you make your bed? <laughs> and one last thing is it, it may sound crazy again, but I've started taking ice cold showers in the morning and it's the, the each of those things that I just described to doing what's uncomfortable, putting yourself in a starting the day, getting in that mindset of I'm going to do X and take take ownership here. I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm going to be uncomfortable. And if and, and that's not just a, a goal. It's it's what you're doing on um, how you're living your life, I guess, is how I would summarize it. And so just the more you can be self-aware of what, what you're doing and where where you have that compounding effect that each decision you make, starting with decision number one of any snooze ends up becoming, I believe has a compounding effect. Uh, and, and you can't win the day if you don't start with a few victories. I'm, I'm recalling the general speech that I'll forget the general who said that the key to a successful life is making your bed every morning. And I share in that philosophy. Not everyone in my house does, but I do. And I will, <laughs> I will maintain that that for those of us who believe that that's the case, all you have to do is venture into the bedroom and you'll find out who believes that to be the case. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yep. Very good. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's always, always good to spend time with you and it's an honor to be on here. All right, man, man. I appreciate it, Matt. And we'll see you next time. All right. Take care.